Welcome to The Road to Seven. I'm your host, Sheila Cummins. I am an entrepreneur, a mentor, wife, and mom to three beautiful children. Women entrepreneurs are up-leveling and changing the rules for business strategy, leadership, success, money, and impacting the world every single day. The Road to Seven is the diary of business strategy for women entrepreneurs. We meet you where you're at in your business and champion you along your road to your vision. And I am honored you chose to join us today. Ready to go? Buckle up. It's time to hit the road. Welcome back to The Road to Seven with Sheila Cummins. It is an absolute honor to be connecting with you today and to be bringing you my incredibly powerful guest, Asha Frost. As part of an initiative that I created called Listen, Learn, Take Action, How to Build an Inclusive, Equitable, and Anti-Racist Business, I interviewed Asha Frost, who is an Indigenous healer. Through our conversation, I just knew that I had to share it with you. If you want to learn more about Listen, Learn, Take Action, go and visit SheilaCummins.com slash Listen, Learn, Take Action. We'll put the link in the show notes so that you can see the course that we've designed to help you as a small business owner to create an equitable, inclusive, and anti-racist small business. Asha brings such power to what she does. She is an Indigenous healer and has this beautiful way of walking you through a healing journey so that you can move through past hurt and judgment and fear and shift to a place of change. And she believes fully, and I agree with her, that if you want to make lasting change in our world together, it all has to start with healing. Enjoy the interview. I am so excited to bring our interview series full circle to one of healing. I think healing is the perfect place to launch us into action so that we can continue to be building equitable, inclusive, and anti-racist small businesses. Today, my guest is Asha Frost. Asha is an Indigenous Ojibwe medicine healer and founder of Sacred Membership, a global online medicine circle community. She has served thousands of people for the past two decades in her work as a native healer, a homeopath, teacher, and leader, and has studied with many shamans, medicine people, elders, and guides. Impacted by intergenerational trauma, colonization, and oppression, Asha has committed to a journey to reclaim and remember her roots and medicine teachings. She has specialized in helping people heal through illness, mental, emotional disorders, and ancestral disconnection. Through this work, she has loved seeing people find their own healing wisdom, awaken their roots, and rise into their power. She is currently working on a book titled You Are the Medicine, which will be published by Hay House and released in 2020. Asha, thank you for bringing your healing energy to us today. This is going to be one powerful interview. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, this is amazing. Tell us a little bit about your journey. Did you always know that you were a healer? That's such a great question. I think as a child, as I think some folks can probably relate, I was a really sensitive child. I was an empath. I could really feel, you know, the energy of a room or sense and what somebody was feeling. I really had that sort of empathic quality. So 
I think as a small child, I was very open-hearted and wanted to help. So I'd say I was a helper that came forward very early in life. And the other thing that came early was I was a dreamer. I just had a lot of dreams at night and a seer. So I would just see a lot of um, visions at night or ancestors would come forward with messages. So those things I thought were just things everybody did and saw. And I didn't really even question it until I got a little bit older. So I think that the healer path was printed in my soul, but it just took me my lifetime to awaken it through experience. Isn't that amazing? Was it scary to be having such vivid dreams and to be connecting? Yeah, I'd say I remember, um, I remember when I would see spirit at night, I would like turn my light on right away. So do you remember memories of those types of things? But I didn't really know how, what to put like the context to. I didn't really know it was my ancestors trying to visit me. And I didn't know what these figures in my room were necessarily. So I'd say it was scary. It was scary not really knowing who it was or why they were coming. How did you make the shift from just knowing that you had these gifts to then really owning that space and starting to help other people on their healing journeys? Yeah, so I got really sick when I, in my early 20s. I was diagnosed with lupus when I was 17, and then I got really sick in my early 20s, and I started my own journey of healing. So I started seeing all these guides and healers and you know medicine people to try to reclaim my own health. And during that time, I was really inspired just thinking, oh my goodness, first of all, homeopathy was a huge catalyst for my growth. And I thought, I love this medicine. I want to find out more about this medicine. So it sort of just like this remembering happened that, you know, this is really helping me. And it honestly unfolded in that way. I just kind of like, I want to go to homeopathy school. And then I opened my practice and then, you know, people started coming and I started seeing spirit around them. So it just unfolded quite naturally. I didn't actually make a conscious choice to say, I'm going to be a healer and I'm rooting into this path. It just sort of has unfolded and I just trust the guidance in the way. I think that's really hard is that trust piece. It can be. It can be. Just, I guess, wondering if you're on the right path. It can be lonely. It can be lonely sometimes without somebody saying, this is your path or this is, I'm I'm going to stamp you with that permission to do this Mm -hmm. in the Mm -hmm. world. So that's something I've definitely experienced, especially recently, I'd say in the, in the most recent years of just feeling, especially I consider myself a bit of a trailblazer and how I'm sharing my medicine in the world. So that can feel lonely, just finding, not feeling like I have those people to talk about being that sort of bridge of both the tradition and the new way. How are you getting your message out? I, I love sharing. I love teaching. I truly, it's building community. Building communities for me has been the way because I was I had a private practice in Newmarket for 17 years and I would just do lots and lots of healing circles and I saw a lot of folks come into my healing space. So it was a lot of word of mouth. My, my business grew by word of mouth. That was like the hugest impact for me. It was before social media existed. So that was just how what I knew, like I'll network, I'll build connections. And I still, I still feel like building connections is the most essential part of getting your medicine out in the world. When you build those sacred connections and relationships, then that support starts to grow. So I saw that growing one-on-one and then I saw it growing in circles and bigger circles. And then eventually online building like a community, a free space online where I just like shared my medicine and then I would invite other people to share theirs too. So that building community piece is huge. Do you think that everybody needs to go on a healing journey? Is this a, or is it unique to different individuals who've had to experience trauma or intergenerational trauma? That's an interesting question. I believe that everyone has access to 
a healing journey. I think that from all those that I've served, I feel like there's always pieces and aspects that we can take a look at with compassion as to perhaps why a belief system's there or, and usually for me, people would come with illness, illness or depression or anxiety. So it would just be going back to those layers and like the onion peeling that opened as to how can we heal this piece? How can we come back to wholeness and not in shame? Like there's something wrong with you. I never want people to feel there's something wrong with you that needs to be fixed. It's just there is a vital part of you that wants to be remembered. And how can we bring that together? So I believe that's true for everyone. That's amazing. That's so beautiful. And it's such, I think it just opens up opportunities for for different people. You know, our whole interview series has been called Listen, Learn, Take Action. And, and mm-hmm. it was created in response to a civil uprising in our world prompted by the Black Lives Matter movement. And I think it has opened up tremendous tremendous conversations and opportunities for conversations. And I think that it's also opened up Mm self-reflection. And, you know, I was talking with someone about why has, you know, we were talking about the pandemic and she said, you know, like the pandemic happened and I sort of took it in stride. But then with the rising of the Black Lives Matter movement, it just shook me to my core. And one of the things that we pinpointed was that there's so much shame and judgment that we attach to our past behaviors from white privilege, from white fragility, from blind spots, from the systemic racism, and never really seeing the oppression of Indigenous people, of Black people, people of color around our world. How do we go about coming to terms with all of those emotions so that we can stay in action? Yes, this is so important because I think in, in my teachings, in the space that I hold space where we talk about cycles, we talk about the medicine wheel and how our medicine wheel has four directions. And we all are going through these cycles, just like the season, just like the earth, just like the moon. We are, we are earth, right? So we move through those seasons together. And I think that even in this civil uprising, we've been going through those cycles even faster, perhaps, where it's like we're in action, we're learning, we're taking information, then we're digesting it. We're asking, how are we going to take action, move it through our feet to actually, you know, make this change happen? And then there might be a death process of like, oh my gosh, all these things I thought to be true are not. So how can I sit in compassion for that death process and let things go that may not be aligned anymore with my belief systems? And then there's rest. And I think that if we find ourselves in one direction or one cycle where we're just really not going through the whole picture, the whole medicine wheel, then we're going to burn out and it's not going to be sustainable. And that's what I've experienced from folks in my communities that it's like, I'm overloaded with information. I don't know what to do with it all. And I just really think it's important to kind of, if you're, if you know about the energy centers, right, we're up here, how can we move it down? Because our feet, we need to walk it in the world. So I'd say compassion that you mentioned is everything in listening. I love how it's called listening, the series, because if we can just lean kind of back and open our hearts and even place our hands in our hearts to say like, okay, how can I be compassionate about my, with myself right now for not knowing? How can I be compassionate with myself for making mistakes, saying the wrong thing, messing up, sharing all of the things, you know, that we can get in trouble for? How can I just sit with that? hand on my heart spot and really honor that place. I think because defensiveness comes from 
that lack of um, compassion. It's like, oh my gosh, I can't sit with this. It's too painful. So I'm going to push back and defend. And I think that's what does the most harm being on the, as a recipient of getting that defensiveness and that right, white fragility, that can be really harmful for people of color to receive that. So the more conscious we can be in like that lean back, I even like to like, kind of say like, just like open your heart and just kind of like, okay, quiet, hands on heart, open ears. We have two ears and one mouth for a reason, right? We listen more than we speak. How can we take that in and be in that energetic position, in that sort of body position, and then just listen more because it's so important. And I understand the defense. Like I get it. I get it. So I think having compassion for the levels that we've experienced that in our lives is okay. Can I ask a really blunt question? Yes. Have you experienced racism as an Indigenous woman growing a very powerful business? Oh, yes. <laughs> I've experienced racism many times. I'd say a lot of it is sort of underlying, like it's not so overt necessarily. I've experienced racism as an Indigenous woman, though. Growing up, I didn't want to be Indigenous. You know, we grew up in a fairly white town. And being Indigenous was seen as, I'd hear so many times, oh, your people are drunks. Oh, you know, in high school, oh, you must get drunk so quickly. Like, you know, all of, all of these all of these biases against Indigenous people. Oh, your people, they get to live off the land for free. They get so much money. You must be rich because like all of these preconceptions, right, about Indigenous people. Um, so I heard that often. So I didn't want to be Indigenous growing up. I would hide my earrings and just, I wanted to assimilate. I wanted to be white. But it wasn't until I got sick that it really shook things up about, you know, your ancestry is calling to you and you can't, you can't just like separate yourself from this anymore. This is your purpose. And then, you know, I've had racism at the hospital where they asked me how much I drink and if I have a home, I've experienced racism. And then, you know, in, in business, it's interesting because it's not really that, it's not really that out there, but I have considered, this is what I consider, should I take Indigenous off of my Instagram? Because would that make my Instagram grow faster? Because it's just those biases that we're not conscious of that I do wonder about because I've been in business for almost 20 years and I've seen my fellow non-Indigenous, non-people of color, business people rise faster, do better. So that racism is insidious and it's just like, I've worked just as hard. I, you know, that equity piece is so important and it comes through business in so many ways. So yes, that's how it impacts me. This past year was the first year that I had an equity opportunity. Hey House Gate, like Hey House said, here's diverse voices. We want diverse voices. And it was the first opportunity that I thought, oh, I can actually try for this. And maybe I have a chance because for many years, I wanted to be a Hay House author and I only saw white people on the stage. So that's how it plays out. It's, it's interesting, you know, when you talk about it now, I, I can kind of see all of those moments and those opportunities. But, you know, before I asked the question, I definitely was sitting here thinking, hmm, I wonder what she's going to say. Mm. And, you know, there's, a, there's that part of me that's like, I'm so sorry that you mm. have to experience that and that you have experienced it. And so what are some ways that you think we can make our businesses more equitable, that we can be more inclusive in, in this case, to the Indigenous community, which is, you know, our history here in Canada. And what are, what are some things that, if you could wave your magic wand, people should just already know but don't know? I love your questions. 
First, I think it's important to do land acknowledgements. That's a really simple yet um, really beautiful act of reconciliation. So finding out on the app, you know, native.ca, I think it's nativeland.ca and just finding out what land you're on and maybe really acknowledging that. That's a really beautiful way to just see us and just say, okay, I see the land that I'm on. The next thing I think for, I think truly, because it's really challenging, right? I think to get our voices out there, it's hard. So what you're doing now and having uplifting others' voices and just adding that diversity into your summits or your panels or things that you're doing. And I want to, there's a little bit of a, a caveat about that because I think you can, I can feel like I'm a token a lot, especially since all of this uprising, people are reaching out and just like, like humbling me with, with requests, right? I want you to be on this. I want you to be on that. And I don't have a relationship with many of these people and I've never even met them. So I think that I just feel like you only want me now, or I met you a year ago, you experienced my medicine and you didn't really seem to care too much then. And now you care. So it can be really harmful and hurtful. I'm also the type of person that keeps an open heart and I'm willing to meet the person and, and see if it's a fit. Like for me, it has to resonate but I'd say like being really careful and conscientious about how you're reaching out to folks of color right now when you're asking them to be part. I'm saying pay, paying people of color too and offering payment, I think is really important. But really like it's like sh- even sharing. Like I say like people are always like, how can I help Indigenous people? As though they're asking me as though I'm not sitting right in front of them. They ask me that so much. And I'm like, you could just share my business posts. Like you could, you could just like, share my page or share when I'm doing a launch, things like that. Right. But it's like, they think it has to be this grand, like, I don't know, thing. And I think there's so many small ways that we can, we can help our Indigenous kin. Yeah, that's so true. And I used to be a school teacher. I'm a, I always call myself a recovering school teacher. And one of the elements that we used to teach was a global citizen. Mm-hmm. And I, I was teaching at a girls school, grade six girls, and they were the most they're beautiful women beautiful young women and there are leaders today I'm that old now but I remember sort of asking them for examples of how they could be a global citizen meaning someone who takes care of our world and they were doing fundraisers and car washes and donating this and you know advocating for that and then in the playground I'd go out on duty and they'd walk past the little grade one girl who'd just fallen and skinned her knee And I just remember, and I never chewed them out, but I remember just sort of standing there in front of them saying, you're not seeing the small things where you can be making a difference. And it doesn't take money. It doesn't take donations. It just takes an awareness. It's true. And I think that's exactly what you're saying is let's just be looking and listening and seeing those opportunities where we can share a platform or help, you know, project a voice. Yes, I think those things, they matter. I mean, they matter to me. I can't speak for all Indigenous folks or, yes, or people in business, sure, but sure. it matters to me. Like when I see that, that feels like allyship to me. Like also, you know, if I if I do a fundraiser of some sort for Indigenous people in the North or things like that, like my community steps up and they're like, we are here for it. And that's another piece of my work because I share traditional teachings. And that is part of my boundary. If you are going to take, if you are going to share in reciprocity for this, then I need you to also walk with me as an ally. And I need you to step up when it's like, we need to learn about the history. We need, you know, some, some of them ask me to come into their schools and teach. Like there are these amazing, brilliant people in my community, white women who really step up and say, okay, we're in this together and I'm, I'm here for it. 
And that means everything to me. Yet so simple for all of us to be committing to. Yeah. So, you know, you talked about being compassionate about the shame and the the guilt that people may be feeling at, at this point of the take action part of this interview series. And you talked about holding space for the compassion and, and empathy for the feelings. What are some other things that we can be doing along this journey? What are some steps that we can take to begin and continue a healing process? Other than following you, of course, and joining your membership, which I'm waiting for the doors to open. <laughs> I think the healing work is a really important piece of this. And it's interesting because and even I experienced, like as, as uprising happened and all the information flooded, I could feel as a healer because that's my that's my role. I think we all have roles, and maybe you've spoken about this in the in, in the interview series. But we all have our roles here, whether it's like wisdom sharer or marcher or you know healer. And I think I was waiting for that healer part to be called forward because there was just this this you know so much information being shared, and we cannot. We don't have the capacity to hold all of that. Like, what do we do with it when we sign up for all the courses and we listen to all the people and we forget about our own knowing and our own wisdom in that because we can be doing this. We can be reading books to our children. We can be doing work in the home that's anti-racist. You know, there's things that we can be doing through the integration that I think sometimes we forget about with all of the, the noise that's sort of coming at us and through us. So I really feel it's so important to maybe like look at all the different ways that you can show up and honoring those things. Because what I find people do is they go into freeze because they think they're not doing enough or because if they read something that says you need to be doing it this way, then they disconnect from their own truth. But I am sharing with my children and I'm watching these movies. And, you know, so I think that's where that compassion for self, but also really honoring your truth. Like, what is my truth in this? What am I doing? Am I going to get pulled out by that person's opinion or am I going to come back inside? And that takes a lot of healing work, right? To trust our intuition, to trust our wise one, to trust our own power and not be kind of giving it away. I've noticed that a lot of my communities, right? Where they just, all these pieces and parts get split off from ourselves and we're not whole anymore. So then we don't have the capacity to do any of the work anymore because we're, we're all over the place. So I'd say grounding practices are really important right now. Getting your bare feet on the earth, going for walks in the forest. It sounds so simple, lying on the earth. But right now, the earth is here for us to help the integration happen and to help us walk it. If we aren't resourced in that way, we're, gonna, we're just going to burn out and then we're going to stop. And that's not what we need. So I'd say like grounding, I'd say, I think rest is a really important part that nobody's really talking about, or maybe, I mean, some folks are, but I think taking that time because that's when the wisdom comes, that's when it's, that's when something clicks in and you're like, oh, now I understand what right fragility is. Now I understand what that meant when, when I learned that from that person, but that takes space and that takes quiet time. So I think rest is really important. I know these are just simple things, but I think they're so vital. Yeah, but they're the things that we're not doing, Asha. This is the thing. You know, we're pushing, we're pushing, and we're not taking time to just to breathe and to reconnect and to go put your feet in the grass and to, you know, wade into the water. All those things that you're talking about, they don't take huge investments of anything, no. but we're not doing it. Yeah. It's the simple things. 
It's really important. And I could feel energetically collectively, everybody was like, it was like this like collective anxiety. And then everybody was like a little bit lifted off the earth, almost like, like they lost their footing. Mm-hmm. So I think if we can maybe collectively find our footing again. And I think that, again, no shame about this, because I think this is just, this is what happens when there's a uprising of this sort of thing, right? Things need to be shaken. We're all shaken. It's like we're like an inner rattle just like shook us up in a good way. It needed to happen. And then, and then it's like, we have to turn the medicine wheel. Now what? And now what is like, let it sink in. How does it reveal itself to you? What are the truths you've been avoiding? Because it can be painful. That's why we resist it. Because that's where the pain happens. It seems like, oh, rest seems so easy. But that is where the truth comes forward. And that's where it can be really painful to feel it all. But that's what we avoid, right? Just as human beings, we avoid feeling it all. Absolutely. Asha, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your schedule for us and for sharing these wisdoms and for making something that I think for some people may feel really complex and out of their reach. And you've given us tools that are very attainable and uh, things that we can be implementing on a daily basis and open the door for more work. Asha, if people want to connect with you and want to learn more from you, where should where can they go to find you? So they can find me on ashafrost.com and then my Instagram is asha.frost and uh, there's some beautiful free offerings if you want to experience my medicine on my website and I would love to, uh, yeah, I'd love to see you there. And my membership you mentioned, it's sacredmembership.com and it's a place where we do some of this work, you know, we have it in a different way through storytelling, through experience, but we're here to really be honest and truthful about this, about what's going on in the world. So in the membership, it's healing based and it's also based in social justice in the way that it's a very diverse community. Fantastic. Well, if you're listening, go ahead and just start making these simple moves. That's where your action is going to come from. Asha, thank you. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to The Road to Seven. If you found value in what you've heard today, please leave us a five-star rating and a written review. You might just get a shout out on an upcoming episode, and you never know when I'm going to be mailing some surprise treats to our reviewers. Make sure to subscribe so you automatically get notified when new episodes are released. Are you looking for a way to connect with other entrepreneurs that are facing the same challenges as you? I'd love to connect with you in the Road to Seven Facebook group on Instagram and LinkedIn. Just head to SheilaCummins.com. You will find all the links that you need right there. Together, we'll explore more ways to support your shift into action so that you can grow your business to finally match your vision. I love aligning your vision of success with strategic and intentional actions because that is how we will grow your business to match your vision. I focus on women, all women, because women hold the keys and the power to creating a powerful and positive world through their impact. We'll see you on the next episode.